another edition of the Standard Group Only Podcast. Ben Stanton here. Thank you, as always, for checking out the podcast. Get to finally talk about a win. I guess this is the... Wait, I don't even know. I got to double check. This, this, this is the first win I've had a chance to talk about? I'm not sure. What, uh, I have to think about that. In any event, they did win. I was at FedEx Field. I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share some thoughts in a minute on what transpired and look ahead a little bit here to the Dallas game on Thanksgiving. Uh, big podcast though here today. I spoke with uh, Washington defensive lineman Tim Settle. Uh, we talked right before the Bengals game. Tim, Greg Stroman, and Morgan Moses joined forces with a local uh, 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 agency in town to help uh, give out turkey and other food for Thanksgiving to a lot of families in the Manassas area. That's where Tim and Greg are from. So Tim and I talked about that primarily here. You'll you'll hear part of the conversation about more on the football side of things, how it's been going for him during, um, you know, this crazy year. He's got a new board at home. Um, His penguin dance that he breaks out for sacks, which he broke out on Sunday when he had one uh, against the Bengals. So uh, fun conversation with Tim Settle. And I will have an article up on The Athletic about the uh, his charity, uh, charitable endeavors with those other guys. You can check that out on The Athletic along with all my other work, including uh, some thoughts on Chase Young, uh, how it seems borderline crazy to uh, even question kind of where he's at right now. But nonetheless, that, that has happened. So that's up on The Athletic. Now, on this podcast, part two, uh, I talked at length with my pal J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington. Covered a bunch of things, what it's like for two guys who grew up rooting for this team in this area to now cover this team. Um, we talked about the the, the, the the team itself. What did we learn from this game? We talked about Scott Turner's offense. Uh, the quarterback situation is always a topic. And then I got J.P. with a bunch of these random questions I've been asking people, uh, including things along the lines of, if your life was the Truman Show, what, what, what would that mean? And uh, and so on and so on. So anyway, a fun conversation with JP. I'm going to get to all that here in just a moment on the Standard Room Only podcast. If you want to subscribe, if you haven't already, you can do so on anywhere you do your um, podcasting. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We should be in all the obvious places. If you're an iTunes person, definitely appreciate any kind of ratings or reviews. Uh, m- many thanks to everybody who's already done that. Um, all right, let's just get into a couple quick things here with regards to the game. You know, look, you guys watch the game. If you're listening to this podcast, you already have a thought about what, what went down. And the reality is this was yet another game where it's really hard to judge what this team is. They won the game. And ultimately, that's all that matters, right? They won. They're now uh, have three wins, just like everybody else in, in the division. And on Thursday, they'll have a chance to be, to move into first place in this crazy NFC East with the win over Dallas. The winner of that game will be in first place, at least until Philadelphia plays on Sunday. And <clears throat> look, you give again, give them credit for the win. I think Alex Smith continues to look impressive. He's certainly efficient and got the job done. But, you know, look, the defense significantly better in the second half, even when Joe Burrow was still in the game. But then once he had the devastating knee injury, you know, it became you know, it became pretty easy to to, to, to to slow Cincinnati down, but they stepped up. They didn't let Ryan Finley get past them. They, they the backup quarterback, they, they did what they needed to do. But that first half, when Joe Burrow was going, they gave up a ton of yards. They were just saved by, the, by a field goal kicker, Randy Bullock, missing two field goals and an extra point. Plus, 
the, the Washington defense stopped the Bengals on fourth and goal from the three when uh, Chase Young dislodged the ball from Joe Burrow. Uh, they were fortunate to only be down 9-7 at halftime, then ultimately win 20-9. So it's just so hard to figure out do you give them how much credit do you give them versus how much quest how many questions do you have even the offense 20 points that's the second fewest that the Bengals have given up this season tied for the second fewest uh there was a lot of a lot to like Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick got it going on the ground in the second half Terry McLaurin remains a beast I think the offensive line really did well pro football focus named Wes Schweitzer and Brandon Scherf the top two offensive linemen in the entire league um this week based on that performance and Ron Rivera praised the offensive line for sure. He also uh, at, at his Monday press conference really liked what said he liked what Ronald Darby did mentioned Cameron Curl and uh, you know, there were things to like, but you know, it just keeps going back to this talk of this division race, which is now a real thing. JP and I'll get into that here on the podcast. So I won't step on that too much, but that almost has to be outside of the equation. It's a weird and random circumstance they find themselves in. And again, to some degree, they should take advantage of whatever they can. But I can't, I still cannot sit here and say that this is necessarily a good team. There are some interesting pieces, and I think there's some things you can feel better about than you did when the season started. You know, namely the playmakers on offense, I think. But, who, I, you know, they have three wins this year. Philadelphia week one, devastated offensive line. Dallas in week seven. Andy Dalton gets knocked out, and their offensive line is a disaster. And then here, Joe Burrow gets knocked out when he had played very well up till that point early in the third quarter. It's not like they have an, any any clean wins. And look, the NFL is about, you know, the war of attrition, as people say. So I'm not saying we shouldn't count these wins. I'm just saying if we're going to gauge how good this team is, it's hard. And yet simultaneously, like I said, there's a lot of interesting young talent. The offense has looked better since Kyle Allen and Alex Smith took over. And uh, look, a big opportunity comes on Thursday, without question. You win this game, there's only five to go, and we legitimately have to start really talking about this division, not just do it in a half-assed, comical sort of way. I mean, yes, we probably could still do that, but first place is first place, and if they keep winning, they would find themselves in the playoffs. But JP and I will get into that and a whole bunch more here on the Standard Room Only podcast. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, Give me your thoughts. I'm at Ben Standick. Um, I, I'll just say uh, I, we, we talked a bit. Uh, actually, well, I'll, I'll let the interview with JP kind of do, do do my talking for me with regards to thoughts on the game because we did get into a few different topics that I'm excited for you guys to, to hear. So let's start, though, with my interview with Tim Settle. Uh, Settle, Stroman, and, Mor- and Morgan Moses, along with their agent, uh, Andy Ross, uh, joined forces with the Northern Virginia Family Services Organization. Uh, they said they donated around, they donated turkeys to around 800 families uh, on on Saturday. Really a great opportunity. Uh, Tim and Greg were, uh, obviously they could not be there because of social distancing, but they were able to kind of hang out with people over Zoom. People were, dri- it was a drive-through situation. So they were able to talk a little football and, and life with people as they kind of, as they kind of came through. And I'll have more about this on the athletic, but obviously, you know, it's just a reminder of just kind of where we are uh, right now that even, you know, there's only so much we can do in a normal way, but it doesn't prevent people from doing some good things. And it was great to see Tim and Greg and Morgan step up in this way to people who, who could use some help under normal circumstances, let alone in these crazy times. And like I said, that'll be up on the athletic 
possibly by the time you read this or at least sometime on Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, I'll be out of practice on Tuesday and uh, not going to Dallas. I'll be on the couch watching the game and, and we'll be podcasting after that. All right, so let's get to it. We'll start with my conversation with Tim Settle, Washington football team defensive lineman who had a sack against the Bengals, but we talked before the Bengals game. Let's get to it here on the Standard Room Only podcast. So, uh, so you're doing this, uh, you're doing this event. By the time this podcast runs, you guys will have already have, have done this event where, where you're helping out the community. You have to do it, though, partially over video because you guys can't be there because of social distancing. Yeah. How, is, is it? Does that just one, just the latest weirdness with social distancing and COVID? It comes on a week that you guys are also having to have more of a lockdown at camp or at, at practice because of everything. It's just one more weird thing this year. I mean, it's it's definitely weird, but you know, we've been in the environment uh, of this new environment for so long that it's it's like it's something that I've gotten immune to. So, you know, anything that's been new or anything, you know, and it's the safest way. You know, I have a newborn at home, so and it, I feel like it's the it's the safest safest way. I feel like all the protocols that we've been going through and going over has been the safest way, keeping everybody safe and still social distancing. But you know. You got to be adjustable, you know. So being adjustable to this whole new thing that we have going on was, it wasn't, it, it wasn't easy. But I was definitely, I'm definitely adjusted, and I feel like it's way easier to, uh, when things come at you as far as you know, that I can't be present, you know, I, I still make me feel like that. Uh, I still can, to, can kind of be there, you know, being on a on a on a camera. I mean, you can't physically see me, but I feel like I'm still there, and I still be able to, you know. You still can see me, but I mean, hopefully after everything clears up and after all this, you know, be able to come back to that normal life. That'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I it's been a minute since I've been your age and I can't even understand what it would be like to have to be so limited to what I could do at your age. Now that I'm old, I don't do anything anyway. But what's it like? Th- what, what's it been like from that perspective? And did having a young, having a kid that's now, did that help ground you during this time to during this time it, it definitely did you know as far as you know the standing like you know I, I really stayed off the the news about all the COVID stuff because I was tired of hearing about it I just wanted to do my protocols and we did it real strong you know and it, since we had the baby we had to be real extra careful so like this we was real heavy you know just quarantining at home you know just making sure that we was doing everything right making sure everything's clean and you know it was adjustable you know and, I actually, uh, I, I got the chance to love it because, you know, I got to see my son grow and he's getting so big and he's starting to uh, make his little noises and smile and move around. So, you know, it's, it's I feel like it's, it was a blessing in disguise. So what, uh, what's your, what's your son's name? Timothy Lee Settle the third. Nice. The third. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a, gotta uh, keep the legacy going. <laughs> Yeah, that, that 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 that's cool. I'm Jewish. We don't do the, we don't do the legacy thing, so I'm always interested by how that uh, goes. It feels like sometimes it's like pressure, right? You you gotta live up to the live up to the name. Yeah, but I feel like it's it's like that's what you like a natural instincts. Like, dang, I wanted to be a junior, or, or I wanted to you want to keep it going anyway. That's the instincts that. But not everybody thinks like that. That's just how I thought. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you. Um, let me ask you quickly about. Uh, about the football, we're talking before you guys play Cincinnati, so I don't know how that will go. But just this year in general, you know, you've been, uh, you know, part of the rotation. Last week, you played your most snaps uh, from a percentage basis 
this season. How do you kind of think it's been going for you? You guys have to deep defensive line and how do you think you've been able to sort of find your way into, into the rotation more and more? Um, you know, I, I, I honestly feel like I could have been doing a lot more, you know, but you know, that's how everybody feel. You know, I, I feel like any, any de good defensive player wouldn't feel like that, but you know, uh, I'm not even going to say we're young, you know, this, it's just the little things, you know, just sharpening. We got to just play good complimentary football, but you know, I haven't really been worried about myself anyway. I just been trying to fit in, you know, anywhere I, I can help the team, you know, anywhere we can, anywhere I can help the team progress. That's the, that's just been my thing, you know. I don't I don't look at it as far as anything I can do, anything I can do to help the team is how I look at it and how I approach every day. Sure. How is it? You know, what we haven't obviously the media hasn't been in the locker room all all year. I'm sure you guys don't mind that. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we don't get to see you guys interact with each other. You know, you guys are always, you know, talking to each other around the locker or some guys are playing some games or ping pong or whatever. What, how is it interacting as you're bonding with the guys when you do have all these limitations to some degree with COVID and the protocols? How does that type of bonding um, go for you guys this year? Um, everybody, I don't know. I feel like we stay to ourselves in the locker room, you know, just doing the quarantine, social distance thing. But, you know, it's hard to do everything with a lot of protocols. So we keep it real. Everybody just lock in. And, you know, when we outside and go out to the field, it's different. But, and, you know, with all the stuff and all the intensive protocol, you know, you got to social distance. So I mean, locker room isn't as hype. So. <laughs> well, we saw some videos a week or so ago. It looked like you guys were having fun. I think that was uh, before the the second Giants game. I think you guys it looked like you guys were having some fun. I'm sure there's still a little excitement that goes on in there. Yeah. Um, I, see, and, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it just sort of broadly, like, what's it been like this season? Obviously, we're pretty deep into the season now, so it's almost like you can't say what's it like under Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, but I guess to some degree, what's it like? How's it has it been different with those guys under the year? Now it's almost a full full season. What what's been kind of different with those guys um, in charge? I mean, you know, uh, like I'm I'm a, like like I said before, you know, you got to be adjustable. You know, I've 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 had coach change, but you know, I like uh, coach's message and you know how he comes and where he coming out, and I like the fact that he played. You know, that that's that's always a a great feeling. You know, you got coaches that played, and you know that's actually. You know, they, they, you, so they, you know, they, they know how it feels, you know. So in fact, in there, in there, you know, they're vets, you know, been in the game, got so much knowledge. So, you know, just being able to soak in what I can from them is amazing. It's like, uh, especially like how they both interact with, you know, they uh, coach Del Rio can coach me and coach, uh, and coach, uh, coach Del Rio and coach Rivera coaching me both at the same time. I mean, not even at the same time, but it's separate. Like, I, I, you got to love that from coaches, you know, and, you know, that this, the fact that he can tell me uh, how I can better myself and how, how he's looking. And that's a head coach, you know, head coaches, you know, they like defensive players, but head coaches, the offensive guys, but you know, the fact that he can still correct and help me on my technique, you know, you got to love that stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, having the head coach on your side of the ball, it's gotta be, kind of, uh, it, it gotta be a little intense. Plus Jack Del Rio seems like he's a pretty, uh, He's a pretty no-nonsense guy from when we, from when we deal with him, so it's got to be a uh, interesting dynamic, I would imagine, on on a regular with those guys. Gotta love Coach Doc Dario, baby. Has he has he got any quotes or sayings that you uh, that that stick out to you? Anything that's interesting? 
I just love Coach Dax. I, I just love his energy. He got energy with him. I like I like how I like he got some swag about him. So that's that uh, Coach Jack. I, I like how he got he, I like how he carry his swag. He got a certain swag to him. I, I like it. And you know, Coach Jack, that real you gotta love him. <laughs> um, and just last question, I guess. So obviously, we, you got you got uh, you, but you got you know Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen. Uh, Deron Payne, I mean Ryan Kerrigan as well. He's he's though afraid at the end of the year. So Ooh, we'll sound see. like a bunch of animals. Woo! <laughs> I mean, it is it is a pretty it, it is a pretty exciting group. I mean, what do you think realistically on paper? You guys are a really talented group. Do you think you guys have come together as much as you would have hoped at this point in the season? Yeah, you know, we we, we try to build on each other every day. You know, uh, no matter how the game goes, you know, we 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 uh, got that bond, that connection with each other. You know, and that for a D line, that's what you need. You know, you got to be able to have that connection, that bond. You got to have that 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 pattern. You know, you got to be able to you got to be able to go with the flow. You got to be able to set, you got to be able to like have fun with with the guys that you're in there with. So you know, that's how we try to make it about, and you know, and we make sure that we, we giving it all we got and we respect each other to the fullest and we love each other. Everybody loves each other. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. I forgot to mention you already, you have three sacks this year with a relatively limited amount of playing time compared to some of the other guys. I mean, the, the, I know number, individual numbers are not everything, but you know, getting three sacks, mostly playing inside. That's pretty good, right? I'm trying to get 12. <laughs> Is that the goal? 12? I mean, no, I mean, that's, that's what I want, but you know, Three, three. I'm, I'm just going with the, the pace. You know, I'm not. I'm just playing ball. You know, it's a lot more games to be played. I'm just playing ball. I, I, I feel like I, 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 you definitely see some more though. <laughs> oh, wait, are you the one that does it? Wait, are you the one that Del Rio said that does a? What do you do? The turkey? Yeah, dance? my what penguin was, dance. My penguin dance. dance. What, what? Where'd that come from? I, I like penguins. I'm just a big, I'm a big penguin guy. I, I had it at Virginia Tech. I carried it on. I'm gonna keep rocking out with it. It's got it, penguins dance like they got like a little waddle, right? Basically. Is that what happened? They had the penguins. I have that. They have that waddle. I mean, they're really like a dance. I mean, they, they don't yeah. have like moves. They just kind of, you know. Yeah, they, yeah, but you know, you gonna notice them. <laughs> all <laughs> right, we'll keep. We'll I'm gonna right. everybody gonna love the penguins. You are gonna keep on seeing it. All right, well, we'll keep an eye out for it. Good luck uh, against the Bengals and then Thanksgiving against Dallas, man. I really appreciate it, and congrats on doing this for the community. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right, fun chat with uh, with Tim Settle there. We, we, we talked over Zoom the other day. Um, I also talked over Zoom with my pal J.P. Finley on Monday afternoon. Uh, J.P. was uh, kind enough to take some time in between his work and daddy duties um, so, um, you know, uh, always interesting chat with a guy who I've known for a long time now, uh, we used to work together at NBC sports, Washington, and now we're both still on the Washington football team beat. So I don't want to dawdle here. We go for a while, uh, get into all kinds of topics. Like I said, but what's it like to cover, uh, cover a team you grew up rooting for thoughts about Sunday's game, where things go from here and a whole bunch more here on the standard room only podcast. So I was saying this is a rare opportunity, or I should say the first opportunity to have an all Bethesda Chevy Chase high school uh, conversation here on on the podcast. And JP and I went there. Uh, one of us went there a little bit earlier than the other one. I'm not going to say who, uh, but uh, but, but there, there's actually like a, 
Uh, and so there's actually a fair amount of us in like the local media to some degree. Am I, are there actually a lot of us or am I just aware that there's a lot of us because I went there? What do you think? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a reasonable question. There's barons everywhere. Um, who are there? Is it me and you? Well, I guess, um, I guess, this, well, there's Andy Poland. Uh, I guess Dave Elfin went there for if uh, he's still, he's still floating around. Uh, P Peter Rosenberg doesn't, he's not local, but he's in the media, right? Sure. I'm, I'm friends with him. Yeah, he's in the sports um, media. Yeah, I mean, he and I were in high school together. He, he's good friends with my my sister way back when. Um, he was my sister's year. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like the high school stuff gets overshadowed by, like, Syracuse people and all that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Yeah, I mean – I'm trying to like, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I don't think there's an inordinate amount of BCC people in sports media, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, I guess, like I said, there's only a handful of us on the Washington football team beat and two of us went to the same, uh, same high school. So I guess in my head, I'm, 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 I'm uh, factoring that in, which, which actually I want to get to because what, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, so like, I, I mean, you get way more, Twitter conversation coming back at you than I do. But like what I got one the other day, somebody made some point that I thought to be semi-ridiculous. Who knows what it was? And I and I responded with like that line from Stripes, like lighten up Francis. And uh, yeah. and then some other person jumped in and said, like, how dare I tell a fan who's been a long suffering fan like to calm down or whatever, because um, you know, what do I know? And I was like, Well, actually. <laughs> Actually, uh, I grew up rooting for this team, and this was the team of my youth. And it is weird at some point to transition from that fan to being the person who's trying to look at this objectively. And I've been dead emotionally as a fan for a long time. But basically, you and I are like almost the only two people on the beat who have that. Everybody else from uh, all the, everybody from the post is not from here. John Kime has covered the team forever, but he's not from here. Michael Phillips not from here. Matt Paris not from here. Uh, my partner um, Rhiannon Walker from is from here. Yeah, Rhiannon, Rhiannon is. Pete's um, from here. Oh, that's true. Pete is, Pete as well. But okay, but still only a few of us. So it is different. Yeah. So. It, it, when the, po the Post has had like a hardcore turnover in the last few years, but it used to be like Mike Jones is from here. Um, I'm blanking on somebody else that was from here. Um, like McNally, when he was on the beat, was from sure. here. Um, Chick, when he was on the beat, was from here uh Tarek was from is from here you know what I mean it, it, it just Tandler certainly was a fan so yeah I mean that's it's a it's an interesting point for me with this with Washington and fandom is complicated because like once you're just so far inside of an organization and you honestly man and like they're admitting all this stuff now and, and not just from the football side, but like for a while there, I, I really knew the ins and outs of that organization pretty well. And there's just a lot of ugly stuff and like how they treated people, how they conducted business. And it just like, it sours you man, big time. And, uh, but that, that said, like, like my wife puts my daughters in, Washington football gear for games you know what I mean like she goes and watches it with her dad like that's not going to change uh, if it hasn't changed by now it's not going to change you know what I mean um 
and our job is undeniably better when they win. I, I've never covered a winning team, but someday I, I sure sure as heck hope to. Yeah, for sure. Well, so uh, like I'm not 100 percent sure because you and I um, both kind of came into this sort of similar, not not in the exact same path, but similar in that we didn't we weren't like straight out of journalism no, school right. and, and didn't, uh, you know, just this wasn't the only thing we did. We both had other jobs, other careers before we got into this. And I think I was at NBC Sports Washington before you, but like, you know, you know, neither one of us were like straight onto the beat. You, you obviously, um, you, you got there before, before I did, but like, so we didn't come into that way. And therefore the fandom aspect was able to last a while. Like, I mean, I was, I, I, I always point to the Adam Archuleta signing as the end for me, <laughs> uh, like, cause that was, uh, that was on top of, of Marty and Jeff George. And I was like, you know what? I see what's about, I see what's happening here. I'm basically tapped out. Um, that was, you know, 14 years ago. And then it was around it was soon thereafter I started doing this. And then a few years after that is when I really got serious about, about trying to do this. But do, do I mean, like, do you ever, I, I know, I guess I know the answer you don't, but like, it, do you find it ever difficult to sort of cover the team that you grew up rooting for? Or do you ever, do you ever think to yourself, man, I kind of wish for this day, this game, this situation, I was back on the other side because it would be fun to be emotionally invested in this scenario, whatever that is. I mean, not with the football team to be a, to be a fan of late. Hell no. Um, I, I feel bad for fans. I, I feel an emotional connection to Washington fans, 100%. And, and I talk about that frequently. I'm not sure I feel an emotional connection to the team anymore, but that, you know, for a long period of my thing in my life. I mean, when you're a kid, you don't have, at that point, the red stings in the world. You know what I mean? And um, some of that probably never leaves you. But, uh, it, it, I mean, I was on the beat when, like, they looked like they were going to the playoffs. Like, I was out there in 2015. Like, I, I was out there in a working capacity, even in 2012. Um, and that 2012 year was different because it was like my first year out there. I was so like low on the totem pole of actually covering that team that it was like, I, I wouldn't call me a beat reporter, but I was writing stories and going to practice once a week. But it was that year, that season with Robert was just so electric. It was just like different. It was total like lightning in a bottle. Um, I don't think. I mean, the important stuff is I don't think it impacts my job one way or the other. I think I push hard enough. Um, I think I, I think I'm plenty negative. I think I can be positive when they earn it. Um, you know, I think like my track record of kind of breaking news that isn't something the team wants out there kind of speaks for itself. Um, maybe when I was first starting, it was a little weird, but honestly, when I was first starting, especially in like this job and the job I got when Tark, Tark went to your place. I know Tark went to the caps for us first, but um, like the, the, the things that were hard for me at first to kind of have like the top job at our place was more like the television side and like the live interviewing side. Like that's the stuff I had to really like learn and figure out. And maybe if I didn't have to focus on doing the, you know, being the best I can at that stuff, then maybe I would have had some mental capacity to like, oh man, it's weird, you know, going on TV, talking about this team when I grew up loving this team 
but like I was just so focused on being good at that when I had no real background doing it that I I just don't think I allowed much time for the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I hear you. it's got to be weird. I mean, I know just even in the times where I've interviewed people that like, um, you know, people who were part of those 80s Super Bowl teams, even in this capacity, it's hard for me. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, I guess during the summer, I did a couple stories about looking back because, you know, we had nothing else to do this summer with the pandemic and uh, right. you know, talking to some older guys. And it, it is sort of like pinching myself a little bit like, you know, the 15 year old is like, dude, you're talking to Charles Mann or Doc Walker or whoever the, uh, you know, you, you know, I mean, look at me, you work with, you know, B-Mitch, obviously at this point, it's, he, you know, you don't, I'm sure you don't view him as a guy you used to root for or whatever, but at the same time, these guys it is it is interesting in that way i i do for think sure. the only dude I, I fanboy out for gibbs still like when i like we got gibbs at the atlanta super bowl two years ago to sit down with us for the podcast and for the show and I, you know at this point i've met joe a few times and like he actually knew who i was which was just like incredible to me and and he's i think part of it too might be that like those teams didn't have a star you know like I've gotten to know Daryl Green a little bit and it's incredible, but like, I also kind of know him in a work capacity now, but I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think it also, I think it might be different. Like I have a, randomly a bunch of friends that cover the Pats and the Eagles and those teams have had some success. And a lot of those guys are from Boston or from Philly or from Jersey or whatever. And like, they get to enjoy that and you do your job first, but then on some level you're enjoying it. And I think, I think if this team was good, Ben, I think on some level we'd enjoy it. We just have been so far from that. Yeah, I, I'm sure this happened to you. I remember what last um, last year when the Nats had their run to the playoffs, I went to a um, uh, one of the World Series games. And before the game, I went over to uh, what is that Half Street um, to 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 have to have a pop or whatever. And like I ran into a, a, a guy I've known for years. He's in one of my fantasy football leagues. He's he's a diehard. It was a diehard fan of the Washington football team under its previous name uh, and all that stuff. And like, he couldn't wait to tell me how much he couldn't care less about the team anymore. Like he knows what I do for a living. He basically just was gleeful in telling me he was so excited about the Nats and the Caps and couldn't care less about the football team and how it used to be his tradition every Sunday and all this stuff. And like he lived and died of it. It was, a, you know, his, his weeks would be emotionally swung depending on whether they won or lost. And the thing is, this wasn't one conversation. I had this with like numerous people, especially like I said, during when the Nats and the Caps had those runs. And 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 like that's the part. Like like I'm personally dead inside emotionally on on numerous fronts. But like when it, like I almost I do feel probably most bad for these people. Like I, I would like to see this team win just for these people because I'm living vicariously somewhat through them. Because I remember what it was like to be that person whose mood would swing dramatically depending on whether you know, Washington would win the Thanksgiving game or whatever, whatever the scenario was. And to see these people just be so distraught over what's happened here makes me realize where I would have been if I was, didn't, wasn't on this side now. So I, I want them to win for those people. I don't care so much. I mean, like you said, it's better for us work-wise when they win, just no matter what anybody thinks, because uh, it's more interest. But, um, but yeah, I, I, like I'm living vicariously through those people and I kind of want, want them to win for my friends and and, and relatives who, who, who give a crap still. And yet now they don't because it's been so long. I, I hear you. Um, it's funny. You and I are both good friends with Sheehan and he talks frequently about the, the, the fall off in the passion in the fan base. And, and he's right. Like, it's obvious. Like, they're 
or metric. There are hundreds of metrics that you can point to. And, um, but there are maybe because my job's a little more like forward facing or whatever. Like I've gotten to know a lot of like hardcore fans, like they, they still exist and I still feel bad for them, but dude, you're right. I, I think, I think the lack of success, I think overwhelmingly the lack of success is the biggest problem. But then you add in all the controversial stuff, like just the constant like embarrassments from the franchise. You know, I didn't think this at the time, but I'm starting to think more and more that getting rid of the name is going to have a big impact, especially with older fans or, or just established fans. Um, I don't know, man, they're at a real crossroads and I, like, I, I know hundreds of people that, their Sunday would be completely dictated by when Washington would play and they'd have to be home. And now, I, I, I mean, just, I, I know hundreds of people that that's no longer the case. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really, it really is just uh, un- unbelievable. And obviously, you know, this, this year. They killed the golden goose, man. It's yeah, crazy. no, it, it seemed impossible. I mean, that's why like last year, even more so than this year, because at least this year you have a new head coach and that gives you some difference. And plus, you know, getting Chase yep. Young gives you a, a player to really kind of rally around. But like last year, the level of apathy, like it wasn't it, being bad is one thing. When the fan base is apathetic, <laughs> that's when you're really screwed. And it felt like last year they hit totally. rock bottom on the apathy on the apathy front. And and, that, and that's kind of what like to tie it into the game this week. Like, I'm not going to sit here and oversell this game. These teams, two, three and seven teams on Thursday it just so happens they're being they're playing in a crap division that the winner will be in first place for at least a few right. days and that 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 part is unbelievable but the fact that a washington dallas game you know doesn't really have a ton of juice but look there is a game and and maybe i don't know look if one of these two teams has it looks good in the game one way or the other maybe there is some momentum uh building you wrote on nbc sports washington about like you you broke down like basically the schedules for these teams and um and who had the best shot. It's amazing. Like three weeks ago, I think I was saying Philadelphia is the clear favorite. And then they weren't starting to pull away. And they're like, all right, well, look, I guess Washington could still sort of hang around. And then, hey, you know what? The Giants, the Giants actually look like they may be the best team. And now it's like, actually, hold on, Dallas, they've looked pretty good two straight weeks. They beat Minnesota. They've got maybe the easiest schedule of of the bunch. I mean, it is, not only is this division terrible, but like, everybody is legitimately in the mix and it is unbelievably wacky. Did, did you, uh, I don't want to step on your story, but did you have like a, a, no, a lean one way or the other as to what, which way, who, who do you think is the quote unquote favorite now? I, well, I think you're so right that every time we think we know what's happening, something wild changes. Um, but dude, based on, based on looking at the records of the, of the teams they're going to play, I like Dallas's chances. I mean, um, I think they only played two teams with winning records in their remaining six games. They have three games against the NFC East and the Bengals. And the Bengals with Ryan Finley are no longer – I don't think the Bengals with Ryan Finley will win another game. So, um, I, I think – how about this? I think Dallas's win in Minnesota yesterday is the best win in the division. And the only real argument you can make is – Phillies win in San Fran earlier this year. Um, I think Carson Wentz is a train wreck. I mean, maybe there's, you can argue that, you know, it's Doug Peterson. There's a championship pedigree. I just don't know, man. And I, I don't know if that's going to, 
show up. And if they go to Jalen Hurts, I think they got big trouble. So maybe it's the Giants. This is laughable, but it's all relative. The Giants were hot. They won two in a row. Nobody in the division had won two in a row all year. And and they and they, you know, they had a lead in the three games ago against a really good Bucks team. So I think the bye week might have come at a bad time for New York. Um, especially, you know, Daniel Jones wasn't turning it over. Like if that's momentum that he can keep going, I don't know. Um, but I think Washington's right in it. I'm I'm not counting if we can laugh about it and mock it all we want, but Thursday's game is a big time game for both Washington and Dallas. And like I said, if they win, it is undeniable. They will be in first place. There will only be five games left, right? Uh, yeah, five games left. And, you know, so now you're, you're coming down the home stretch. The schedule gets much, much harder, all that. But at the same time, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be hard to – that, that, that would be the conversation. It, it, is, it, is beyond, it is beyond insane. And I guess the thing for me, like, I've been, like, doing everything I can to – poo-poo this, this NFC East talk, no matter how often Ron, Ron Rivera is bringing it up or the players mention it. I mean, I get why they care, but like, you know, I'm not going to be somebody who's going to be pushing this narrative, but if it's there, you know, if we get past Thursday and they're in first place, it's going to be hard to argue against, but this leads to the question of, I guess, what do you think is the better scenario for this team? I don't, I assume that none of us think, even if they win the division, they're a real threat to win, to, to do any real damage in the playoffs. I mean, anybody can win one game, but like nobody's considering them to be a Super Bowl threat. Uh, so what's better for them, you think? Getting the experience of playing real games down the stretch and maybe even winning some of these things to, quote-unquote, make the playoffs, or just have things play out naturally. They're not that great of a team. All three of their wins, you could question as to how they came against. You know, They needed the other team to have some real issues for them to win, including this week, Joe Burrow going out. And if you lose that, not maybe lose out, but you know, you're, you're, in, you're finished in the three-to-five win range, you have a better chance of getting a top-five pick, which would go a long way towards – helping their future. So what do you think is the best scenario as we look at right now, going forward and getting whatever momentum and winning the division or playing out to where the record kind of looks like and getting that top five to top 10 pick? Yeah. Uh, real quick, just for you and I, um, Schefter just tweeted that MRI on Burroughs knee revealed more damage than anticipated ACL, MCL and other structural issues. That's, oh, wow. That's terrible. I hate to see it. Um, He's such a really good young quarterback. Um, as for Washington, uh, Ron Rivera keeps telling us that he's optimistic. I think I'm going to be optimistic on this one. I think they can achieve both. I think they can compete for this division and still come up short and still have a top five pick. And I, I, I picked them to go five and 11. I'm sticking with it. I don't think they're going to win the division at five and 11. Um, but I, I think they'll – I kind of think Dallas is going to win, and then they'll be able to pick up uh, one game we don't expect and then one of those last two against Philly and Carolina, or maybe both of them. And, and they'll get to five. They can, st they can stay in the hunt. For Ron, I, I do think there's real value in these young guys learning to win, like he's been talking about. Um, even though yesterday was kind of an ugly, boring game, like they played winning football when they needed to. And, and I think there's value in that. Um, so I, I don't think you have to decide like, Oh, should they chase this playoff berth or should they just play young guys and, and focus on 2021? Because I think they're going to do both. If 
hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like I mean, even if I said they should lay down, Ron Rivera's never going to do that. The players aren't going to do that, nor nor should right. they. So it's just going to happen one way or the other. It's just sort of like from right. the outside, like what if you could put you know if you could mentally if we could all mentally Ouija board them one direction or the other, <laughs> which way which way would you go? Um, Here's my point. Like, you could argue that laying down is playing Jeremy Reeves and Troy Apke. But, like, that's also playing your young guys, seeing what you got, working towards 2021. Like, they, they have these scenarios outside of Alex, which is its own discussion. But Alex is also part of an evaluation for next year. But, like, they're largely just playing their young guys. You know, it, the only thing I think that would have been really, really ass backwards would have been if they traded to bring somebody in, if, if they traded for a, a veteran guard or a veteran wideout before the deadline and gave up a fifth rounder or something. That's the only thing that I would have been really bothered by because everything else, I think they are more or less accomplishing a rebuild year on the fly while also competing in a terrible division. And I, and I don't think, I think Ron would be incredibly wrong to not try to push for the division. It's given these guys something to play for. So I think, I think Washington is doing what it's supposed to be doing in rebuilding and playing young players. And the division race is just a coincidence that works out kind of well. Yeah, um, for 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 sure. I, I think like you know, you, you mentioned Alex is his own story, and it's it remains one. And you've talked about it. I've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. Like, what is he? Is he the? Is he really in the mix for twenty twenty one? And you know, I, I keep making the joke that you know, I've I've been wrong on every single Alex Smith bet, and then I doubled down. I'd have one of those like horrible celebrity Jeopardy scores on Saturday Night Live, like Sean Connery minus <laughs> two hundred thousand. Um, it, it's just ridiculous, and I continue to be wrong. And um, she knows me a G. I, I know. I, I look. I look forward to not only you collecting, but you know, hearing what how you spend that uh, that that found money. It's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I would. I would have absolutely lost. I would have taken the she inside for sure uh, if I had been willing to uh, get involved. Well, Mike Phillips lost twenty dollars today. Well, he that's a, that's a more reasonable uh, sum. Dude, uh, the only people it was me and Wino were the only people that thought Alex was going to start. I you know I mean. I, I, I didn't even think he was going to even be on the roster. So, uh, you know, what do I know? Um, but, you know, look, I mean, that is a story in itself, right? If, if, if Alex Smith plays well and Ron Rivera is willing to, to believe that he can be their starting quarterback next year, then this idea of get being a top five pick doesn't mean as much uh, because we're talking largely about a quarterback. At any other position, you don't need necessarily a top. You could be at the pick 20 and possibly get the best guard in the draft right or the best tight end or something so right, you, right, you don't right, have right. to you don't have to do it for for that purpose but i do think one thing that's a, from an evaluation standpoint when we're talking about the offense is the fact that is the, the, what we're seeing with scott turner because I, I i like all the conversation about them benching Dwayne and all the ramifications with that I, I my basic point was this was ron rivera saying it isn't just about the quarterback we need to see the whole offense under evaluation including the coordinator to know what the hell we have. We can't just go into next off season with this playing, you know, sort of a, a dumbed down version of our playbook because this quarterback isn't ready. So he went with the more experienced guys. And the more I watch, I mean, the more I, if I say I'm impressed, I'm not saying Scott Turner is the next Joe Gibbs, but like watching back some of the, the game from yesterday. I mean, I, some of those run, the run action stuff is really interesting. I like the Logan Thomas 
uh, fake uh, or not fake, but a quarterback sneak. You know, some of the way they were getting Gibson and McKissick, uh, you know, going outside. I, I think it's all pretty creative. And look, and obviously Alex Smith is just highly efficient there. You know, the, since week six, eighth in net yards, six and third down conversions. They still don't score a ton, but, you know, it's better than what it was. And only only 20 against the Bengals isn't that exciting, but whatever. It, it was enough to win. Uh, we've seen Cam Sims has been a thing. Gibson and McKissick have looked good. The line's held up all, all in all. So, like, I think I, from the Scott Turner perspective, like, that to me may be the thing that's impressed me the most or that I, that I think from an evaluation standpoint has come the farthest in the last five or six weeks is getting a feel for what he does and thinking that it's not that bad. Dude, what's funny is I, uh, so you, you know, I get to talk to Ron one-on-one every week, and I asked him that. I was like, Ron, and it's crazy that you bring that up because I, I don't think you could have heard that. I don't think that's out yet. Um I was, I was like, Ron, you know, you keep talking about all the evaluations for the young players. What do you think about your young offensive coordinator? And Ron, I think, said the same thing. And I'm with you, dude. I, I think I think they're showing real promise. Um, I like Scott's offense, and I think it'll continue to grow. Um, everybody was so upset about the reverse in Detroit on second and two, and it was a bad call. But then everybody's so happy with the tight end sneak, and that's a good call. Like, he's showing creativity and trying different things and I don't think you get one without the other um so I'm with you with Scott I I think I think I think Scott is back next year I think the question is Jack um I think I think Scott has a lot of room for growth and I think they're going to draft a quarterback and a lot of things can happen yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I think because we're so used to turnover around here, uh, I always, you know, I, I haven't even really considered either coordinator coordinator not coming back. It's just more like the idea of like, well, what you know, are they actually good or what's going on? And um, but yeah, I, I think with Turner, we've seen some good things. With, with Del Rio, yeah, it's a, it, uh, I'm not quite sure, but I don't know. That's how I feel about this team. Like every week, I I just never know. And this is a classic example. The defense was not good in the first half, but then they shut down the Bengals when they should in the second half. The offense wasn't great, but they did enough to win. And they, but they only got 20 against a not so hot Bengals team, but that was enough. And they, you know, they were running the ball well. And uh, you know, I don't know. I, I never know week to week <laughs> what to actually make of them, uh, other than to say three and seven seems about um, about right. <laughs> right, all things considered. Um, you, you're a pro football focus guy, right? I am. I don't, I don't know if you've looked yet. The number, the, the top two offensive linemen in the NFL this week, according to Pro Football Focus, Wes Schweitzer and Brandon Scherf. I mean, they ran the ball really well, dude. They, what they have, 160 on the ground. Alex got sacked once. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, uh, they did well. maybe Schweitzer gets some bonus points for the spike. <laughs> that, that, that would be amazing if that's factored into their. Uh, <laughs> to, to I wonder what what Tim I love. Settle. That's a wacky bit I, that I really love. Yeah, I wonder how like Tim Settles like Penguin Dance gets factored into his uh, his <laughs> rating if that, if that helps or not. Um, uh, but yeah, no, it's fascinating. The offensive line shuffled in and out all year, and like you know, by and large, we really haven't talked about them a ton. Yeah, you know, there's always moments here and there you give up a couple sacks. That Aaron Donald game was embarrassing, but um, <laughs> but you know, by and large, no matter who's been in there, they've. Uh, they, they, they've held up it's been it's been quite um quite quite fascinating um um all right we're here with uh my pal jp finley from nbc sports uh washington 
Uh, I've got one more question for you. I'm going to embarrass you though for one quick second. Or I don't know if it's embarrassing, but since I since this podcast is like uh, new and like you know we're we're just trying to catch up, you know we're 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 just trying to get a couple of the the listeners that uh, are, you know who who you you have all the listeners. I'm just trying to get a couple. Um, so so we don't have like actual sponsors on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so I I I decided to use some of the time instead of reading a sponsor read to thank people that effectively help sponsor me uh, during my uh, career, as it were. And since you're here, okay. I'm going to embarrass you slightly by saying that, you know, uh, the first time I ever really got on TV was uh, NBC Sports Washington put on a, um, I had a fantasy football show every week. Um, and it was JP, uh, Sebastian Salazar, who's now with ESPN, and me. And I, my guess is, my understanding, as I, I believe, is that basically JP got me on the show. That, that, that JP was, I, I was writing fantasy for us, but like, no way anybody should put me on TV. And uh, JP, I think in some capacity, uh, said, hey, uh, you know, that guy, go, 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 go talk to him. And from that, put me on. And, you know, I, I'm not exactly a, a t- television staple, but just the idea of being put in, put in that situation, you know, helped just, you know, more exposure and just also just even for my own, like, thoughts about what I could or couldn't do in this industry. So that was a, uh, that was a big deal for me. So I just wanted to uh, shout you out since you were going to be here. And thank you uh, for whatever you did for that. Uh, well, thank you, Benny. That was, um, I, you know, you have always thought I have more say in that building than I do, but uh, that was a lot of fun, dude. That was, I mean, first of all, doing television with Sebastian, he's just so damn talented. I mean, you get why he's at ESPN. Like, I mean, I think he's like their lead soccer guy now, um, and that's his passion. That guy could be doing anything he wanted. Um, doing TV with him was so fun. That show was fun, dude. Um like you and I are very good at like bickering and making fun of one another, uh, which, you know, that's what I, I love sports, but I love sports as a conversation among friends. Cause that's how 95% of, I think sports fans consume it. And so like anytime I can be a part of TV podcast, radio, whatever it is that like creates that, I think that's what people are drawn to is like that sounds like a conversation I'd have with my buddy or whatever it is. Yeah. So I, I thought it was fun that you and I, that was, that was a lot of fun, man. How long ago was that now? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even, I don't it has know. to be, dude, hell, I've been on the beat since. It, it was right before you got on the beat. Cause I think like that was like the next season. I think you went on the beat. Right. Yeah. I mean, that must've been like 20, 13 2014 sure sounds like sounds like a plan um yeah no no it was it was good it was interesting to see i mean i i I would be horrified to go back and watch my performances on those things but it was interesting it was an interesting experience uh to say the least um all right i got a bunch of random questions here nothing you can't handle but we'll see uh we'll see what you come up with some have nothing to do with the football team and some do and you get to, as I told you before we started, you get to ask me one question. You can repeat one of these or pick something else completely random, whatever you want. You, you get to put me on the spot um, as okay. well. All right. Person you wish followed you on Twitter that doesn't. Mm, that's a good one. Um, probably SVP, I guess. I don't know. Um no, he's a good one. I mean, look, obviously, like one one thing I used to, I mean, I, I to me, like my favorite national radio show for a long time was the SVP and Rosillo. And one good thing yeah, about I love him was he, he would always, you know, 
Van Pelt, there would be enough Redskins, Wizards, Terps mixed in because he, you know, he, he, he gravitate towards your interest on some level. I mean, look, even in his cold, even his opening on on the Sports Center now, you know, you see the Maryland uh, stuff. Right. So yeah, so just for that, I mean, he is he, he even though he's now local again, you know, living around here, you know, he's a, he's effectively feels like the king of DC media, even though he's not actually in DC media. So yeah, right. Um, I, I think uh, Tony Kornheiser would be the one seed. It was DA because DA didn't follow me for a while, but DA follows me now. Um, I don't think DA even followed me until I started working for the athletic. <laughs> I mean, DA is just such a legend, man. And what the cool part with him is that he's like, just so down to earth too. Like, you know, like I was talking with him about the whiz in the press box the other day. Um, yeah, I'll go. If I mean, Tony's never going to have Twitter, but if Tony had Twitter, that'd be my one. And then I'll go with Scott too. All right. Uh, all-time favorite athlete. That's a, I mean, MJ. It's not really a question for me. As in um, MJ, mean Magic Johnson? No, that's not who I mean. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I love Magic. But, dude, so you and I are have an interesting little age gap. And it's not a lot, but, like, I never saw Showtime Lakers. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I remember – magic pulling up with the pulled hammy against the bulls and i remember like i kind of remember those pistons teams but like i didn't get to experience the celtics lakers rivalry like i don't remember larry bird um so to me it's michael jordan by far um baseball is cal by by far uh football is barry sanders but then like you know, growing up here, there's like a, a, a carve out for that then Redskins players. Um, so that would probably be Daryl Green. Um, hockey's Ovi by a million miles. Uh, and now it, at some point it might start to be like, I don't know. I, I think Ryan Zimmerman probably doesn't get the love he should get for how awful a lot of those Nats teams were. And now they're a World Series winning organization. Um, I also loved like Sean Kemp. <laughs> oddly, I loved Iverson. Um, I don't know. It's a fun list. Who's yours? Uh, and that doesn't uh, count as my question. Yeah, my my, my all time favorite athlete is probably like Eddie Murray. Uh, the, okay. the 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 football team one or the Redskins one is uh, you know, I don't know. Like uh, I mean Riggins, but I might, might be Gary Clark to be honest. My mother loved Daryl Green, so I'm giving her to, giving him to her. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Gary Clark. He he was just uh, he was, he was just, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a, a, absolutely. Um, all right, all right. Now he now is cool now. I imagine you've gotten to talk to him. Like he's just cool. A couple times, yeah. I mean, I remember like back in the day when I was like going out in Bethesda, he would always be out, and he'd literally always have the most attractive women with him. It was just all, all <laughs> um. Right. All right, now think of this before you answer because it's a slightly nuanced if you think about it. Who is the quarterback of the most likely to be back here next season? Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, or Steven Montez? Oh, I like what you're doing here. Um, pro, I mean, I think Montez will be back, but like I'm not – that's such a cop-out answer, I think. Um, I will go – I think it's Alex, dude. 
because it's not that much of a slam dunk from a salary cap perspective. Um, how about this? I'll give you – I think Alex is back unless they sign a free agent. Um, and, like, if they draft somebody, I think Alex is back. But if they sign a free agent, like, let's let's say – and it won't look like this after the Sunday night game, but, like, let's say Derek Carr becomes available or Matt Stafford. Like, the way the NFL is trending, QBs come available. So, unless they do something like that, I think Alex is back. Got it. It'll be interesting. If they if they view Kyle Allen, if they saw enough from him to think he's the quarterback of the future, then I guess you could, in theory, go back Alex, Kyle Allen, not draft a guy in the first round or two and and move forward and then deal with it. You have to draft another quarterback beyond that. But, yeah, I mean, from, from my fun answer, I'm going Montez because I, I, I still, you know, between Alex's money and, you know, there's still there's uncertainty with – I think there's still some uncertainty with what he wants to do. I mean, Rivera brought this up the other day. I'm not saying he's going to retire. I, I agree but with I, that. I don't know. I, I don't I mean, uh, considering all he's gone through, I, I don't know if it's a slam dunk. He's going to go want to go through it again. But um, but yeah, I'll go Steven Montez just to uh, <laughs> just to be subversive um, for, for, for that. Um, uh, based on a hobby or a what? habit. OK, um, we're, based on, the, we're checking on the baby. Sorry. <laughs> is the baby still there? She's still sleeping. All right. Well, that's that's, so that's we're all that's, good. That's the West, the win of the day right there. Um, Indeed. Based on a hobby or a habit, what's a Hall of Fame you qualify to enter? Oh, wow. Um, you know what, Ben? And I think you'll agree with me. I think I should be in the 7-Eleven Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, I personally think I'm a first ballot, and I recognize your resume <laughs> is right there with, 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 with me. Here's how bad it is. Uh, I mean, you you and I have seen each other in the, in various 7-Elevens. We we often talk about the, the cuisine, but here's how truly how bad it is. The the 7-Eleven that's right next to uh, the NBC Sports Washington offices. That's the one I go to the most. The guy yeah, does it right. Yeah, the, the guy who's the owner. Every like he's not always there when I'm there because I'll often go like late night, but he'll be there whenever. I every, love that guy, Mr. Lee. Yeah, Mr. Lee. Yeah, every third time, fifth time he sees me. He asks me, what happened to this girl that I was with? Where, where did she go? This is somebody I used to date 10 years ago. But I go so <laughs> often, he keeps, he, he, she's been gone for a while. Now I'm still friends with her. But he always asks about her. Clearly, he, he, he liked her and, and remembers her through me. But like, I, yeah, I'm memorable enough that he remember, He always wants to know what's going on with, with, my, with basically my dating life. I'm like, oh my God, am I coming here this much? And this guy's feeling that comfortable to ask me these things? What is happening? Well, that's every time I go in there, he gives me the finger. Like as soon as I walk in the door, he's got like a big old middle finger for me. So you are doing better than I am. Why is he giving you the finger? Lee. That's our relationship. I don't know. He thinks it's funny. Oh. And, and but the fun part is now, like if I walk in and he's behind the counter or something and doesn't see me, I just am standing there waiting for him. When he turns around, I got a big old finger firing back at him. I catch him by surprise. Fantastic. I wonder if I dropped the finger on him, what he would, uh, if he'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> if we were together, I think it'd be fine. But, that, but if we weren't together, that'd be like him asking me about your ex-girlfriend. It'd be very, very weird. Right. That would be funny if we walked in together, if his head would explode. <laughs> We've been in there together. I can only imagine what he did, but dude with, you know, the office is closed. Nobody goes anywhere. So I've become very loyal to my 7-Eleven at Goldsboro MacArthur. That's my guys down there. 
I, I hit that one off when I'm driving out to Ashburn, depending on which way I'm going, I'll go to that one on the way uh, for, for sure. But they don't know me like Mr. Mr. Lee knows me. Um, uh, <laughs> well, right, and the one in Bethesda doesn't have Dr. Pepper on tap anymore. So they're, they're bugging me a little bit. And also the one on River Road, they, they got to get their act together, but it's been this way for a decade. That's a, that's a train wreck. Train wreck. Uh, all right, speaking of food, if we're counting several of this food, you are a proponent of the Popeye's chicken sandwich, or at least you're you're, you're a proponent of trying to eat one. You, you, you and Pete are putting putting out videos of your fast food adventures. You try you you, you, you did you, you had the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich a couple weeks ago. Then last week didn't quite work out, so you went to Burger King. This is the content that people need. So here's the, here's the question. This is the hard hitting journalism question: Which current or former Washington football team player is the Popeye's chicken sandwich of Washington players? I have an answer. Wait, what? <laughs> which and which, it's only football? Yeah, which which current or former player on the Washington football team represent is the equivalent of the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Now, by by for me, what I'm saying is it's got a lot of hype. Apparently, when people enjoy it, they really like it, but it's hard to get it. It's not always available. Um and it's a current player? A current or former player. But when they do play, they're very good. Yes, in theory. Man, this I, is I a went, very unique. I went with uh, Jordan Reed. Okay, that's a good one. So I I have one, but it things have taken such a terrible turn that I almost don't want to say it. But I was going to say Darius Geis because there was so much hype. Everybody loved him. He never played, and the one time he played, he was really good. But obviously that situation has gone an entirely different direction and, and he's probably facing, or we know he's facing like multiple legal charges. So that right. no longer works. No, but that, if, if we're just keeping it the football, that's a fantastic uh, answer. And I, uh, I, 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 I like that. Uh, I, I got a couple more here for you. Uh, uh, lost to the cutting room floor at the story I wrote a few weeks, a couple weeks ago about uh, how the Washington coaches and players uh, think about doing these Zoom interviews with uh, the local media and what they how they view it uh, and talking around Rivera he said to me he know you know he notices people's uh, rooms and he's always trying to see what they, what they got going on and the one spe specific room he cited was JP's saying that JP's got a lot of memorabilia memorabilia in there he's kind of fancy which was a, a fantastic answer that I was bummed did not make the story um, based on Rivera noticing your memorabilia what's your most cherished piece of memorabilia that you have in your uh, studio there um, so I love that he noticed the memorabilia. I just don't love that he called it kind of fancy because I feel like that's not the vibe I'm going for at all. Um, I have an old Hank Aaron jersey. That's the coolest thing I have by far. Um, but like it might, the thing that means the most to me is I have, I, I did the running of the bulls in Spain okay. and I have the little like red handkerchief you wear hanging up. That is the coolest thing to me because of what it reminds me of. But the Hank Aaron jersey, I met Hank Aaron when I was a really little kid. Uh, my mom used to produce events, and they used to have this like old-timers baseball game at RFK. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet him, and I got the jersey. So that's pretty money, too. Yeah, that's amazing. Wait, the running with the Bulls, like how close did you get to an actual Bull? Very, very close. As close as I stand to you during social distancing. Wow. And, like, was, was like, it coming – like, was it, was it running parallel to you, or was it running, like, at you? So 
there's some parallel and then you get to certain points where like you get against the wall and let them run by but like should they decide to turn like there's you know there's there's nothing between you and them uh, and then like when you run down into the bull arena like everybody's running down this little hill and ramp and then like the bulls are right behind you and they're running into the ring and you have to kind of like dive out to the left that was the the only injury I took was jumping out of the bull ring because everybody's jumping out of the bull ring. I caught like an elbow to the eye. Wow. I mean, that, 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 I, I assume you've talked about this on your own podcast. That, that is a, I, of all the things that people, I mean, that, that, that's sort of like a commonplace thing, meaning that the, the running with the bulls is a popular annual event in non pandemic times. I, I cannot comprehend <laughs> do, doing that. I would be more than happy to watch it. But be somewhere out out of the range of the bulls. I'm not that uh, I'm not that brave, and my forty time is not 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 close to being good enough anymore to uh, to to risk it. So good for you. It was incredible. I now have a screaming baby, so I'm very sorry, Ben. This was unexpected. Um, but no, running with the bulls was one of the coolest things I've done. It was, I was also 21, so it was a different. My forty time was probably a little better back then. Uh, while it feels like JP's got a got, got a minute here where there, there's a little bit of a break in the action over there in the, in Dadland, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up um, uh, with my questions, and then we get to yours. This one's really random, so so hang on. If you found out your life was the Truman Show, <laughs> what would be your primary feeling? A embarrassment. B feel bad for the audience having to watch your performance or C, would be secretly pumped that folks got to watch all your adventures? Um, I think there was probably a period of time where it would have been good television, like, or whatever. Um, I think from when I was like 16 to 30, probably would have been pretty fun for all parties. But I think at 39, where I'm just like changing diapers and driving Ashburn all the time, I think it'd be pretty boring. Um, and there'd certainly be embarrassment. So what well, were my options? Yeah, embarrassment, feel bad for the audience having to watch your performance or be secretly pumped that they got, that folks got to watch all your adventures. All right, so embarrassment at all times. There was a stretch of my life that would probably be, I would be pumped to share with the world when I was like bartending and doing cool things and traveling a lot. And now I think people would just be bored. Yeah, see, I think if they, if they liked you when in, in your wilder times, they get emotionally invested in your journey and now they see you've evolved into a guy who's got a, a good job, but you're married, you got kids. I think people would like the journey, even though admittedly right now, nobody's living their best life in the pandemic world. That's true, uh, maybe. I'm I mean, straight. I'm straight embarrassment the whole way. I'm gonna be mortified if anybody's kind of getting a look at what's going on over here. So, nah, man, I need to see Blackjack Benny. That's what I need to see. Those are some of my better times in Vegas, uh, even when the cards go against me. But uh, other than that, I'm largely a disaster. Um, Double gin and tonics. <laughs> um, I, got, I got one last uh, football question, but uh, it's your turn. If you, you you're allowed to ask me one of these questions or one of your own, whatever you got, go for it. Um. I want to know why you shaved your beard or your goatee or whatever. Why'd you go clean shaven? Good question. Uh, I don't know if it's a good question. Um, 
I don't, I mean, I don't remember the last time I didn't have it. So this just happened. I shaved over the weekend. Uh, we're talking Monday for the record. This was a sort of slightly weird transition. Today is my birthday. And yeah, dude. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, is I, it I like know. a big one? Is that why you shaved? Uh, it is kind of a big one. Uh, so I decided a couple weeks ago that like, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just like, is it kind of a big one or is it a big one? Nah, it's a big one. Okay. Uh, so I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, keep keep that one to yourself. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So the um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, I think I think all, uh, anything different during this pandemic time, I think, is just you know, I, I I and anything that's different, I'm excited for. And this was like a free opportunity to be different, make my own change. So kind of did it in that way. And uh, yeah, I don't know. See what the world thinks of me uh, without this for a minute. I mean, my my guess is I'll be too lazy to shave and within 10 days I'll be back. But, uh, you know, for for the moment. I agree with your guess, but I do. I thought, I don't know. I saw it. I was, it found it refreshing. It just was different. Um, Do I get two or just one? Go. You you ask as many as you'd like. I have nowhere to be. You're the one with the screaming kid about to erupt any minute. (laughs) We got Moana going. We're all right. Um, I think you and I are like media nerds. Like I think we both pay attention to what's going on, not just in our jobs and worlds, but like across the media landscape. And so I'm curious where you think media will be in five and then 10 years, locally, nationally, however you want to. Oh God. Um, I don't even know where to begin. So you're just, when you're talking media, you're, there's obviously television, radio, newspaper, I mean, internet. Like sports. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, like, all, all, I mean, I think the thing that like, I constantly think about, and obviously this, you know, connects with what you do is, you know, the television landscape locally has changed so dramatically. Um, you know, just even in the last handful of years, let alone, you know, since when we were younger, I mean, you know, the, 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 the four, seven, and nine, you know, it just does not have the same impact as it did back in the day, you know, not even just going back to George Michael and, and all that, but even just in more recent times with, uh, you know, a Dan Helley and, and some others, or Lindsay Zarniak. Uh, and so I don't know where that's all going. Obviously, Channel Five's already dumped their sports, and I don't, I don't know. I wonder what's going to happen. And then, you know, obviously, you know, with, with, with you guys, you know, what, what's the world look like in a, in a few years? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I, so I wonder like, you know, the, the YouTube has become such a big deal. Like I, I'm too old for, to, to appreciate it, but like, you know, it feels like that's where like all the action is YouTube and like on the internet to some degree. And is there, I keep thinking, isn't there, is there a world where somebody could do like almost like a pirate TV show, but just do it all over YouTube in some way. There's so much talent out there now with all the people that we, so many people we know who've, you know, either been laid off or just in some sort of transition, you know, is there somebody out there who's savvy enough to understand the marketplace, which is not me, to, to, to figure out how to make, make some money this way, knowing there's kind of a hole right now in terms of some of that. So that's one thing I kind of wonder. I know it doesn't necessarily answer your question, but I kind of, you know, like, no, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I found it interesting. That's why I asked. Yeah, and then the rest of it, obviously, right now with the with the two radio stations, I mean, now under the same umbrella, I, I guess we're waiting. It sounds like 980s and they keep going, but you know, it's sports radio. Forget the pandemic aspect where people aren't in their cars. It's just like you know, is is this a, is this a thing that keeps going? Obviously, podcasts are very popular. Yours is. I like a lot of podcasts. 
Um, you know, is sports radio the way we, we were used to it? Is that is that the way it is in, in, in a few years? I, I I don't know. It feels like there's obviously a, a I mean, we're all in our cars, so it's not like it's going to go away. But at the same time, I don't know if that's if that feels the same way as it does going forward. But what, uh, what what's your big uh, take on, on all that front? I don't know, man. I mean, all that like you and I can do is just like create and deliver content that people want to consume. And then we just hope that the salespeople figure out how to make it work financially. When I was a kid, my grandmother, as many Jewish grandmothers did, always used to tell me, become a doctor, dentist, or a lawyer. And she not, told me not this, blogger. Not blogger. She, she told me these things and I realized much late in life that it wasn't about the money. It was about the security. If you have one of those jobs, you can pull up your own shingle anywhere you want. And assuming you're, you know, you're good at it or whatever, you can, you can, you can have your own career. And I guess you could make the same argument with being a plumber or, or some other kind of, or like a handyman to some degree, right? Um, whereas, like, we are un- incredibly right. reliable on these other entities. Now, technically, with podcasts, it's becoming more of a thing that, like, you know, you, people can branch off and sort of do their own thing. But you know, you still have to have some sort of production and help and and. Uh, and, and whatever. So yeah, I, I think that's uh, our job is constantly uh, in danger. Not 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 necessarily us specifically, but just our industry. It's always you never know what's going to happen from minute to minute. Totally. Totally. Uh, all right. Well, this last last Washington football question for Mr. J.P. Finley. I guess just just sort of broadly, uh, what do you think? I mean, we talked before about winning the division uh, versus a top five pick or whatever. What what's the number one thing with with where we're at here? They, they're three and seven, uh, six games left. What's the number one thing? Beyond it could be the playoffs or it could be something else. The, the number one thing you think you need to see in order for, to feel positive about this team going forward next year. Man, that's good. Because going into the year, I would have said a definitive answer on Dwayne Haskins, and whether or not people are comfortable. The football team, Ron Rivera has reached a definitive answer on Dwayne Haskins. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, so what do I need to see now to feel comfortable? Honestly, I'm starting to feel kind of comfortable with the rebuild and what they want to do going forward and where they see things going. Um, now, I don't know how far away they are and how many years it'll take and if it'll ever happen. But um, – I mean, I know that Antonio Gibbs is starting to put up, put together some stats, but I still, I feel like he's a really good athlete, but I'm still not sure he's a really good running back. And you'd love to see him really become a running back. So I'll, I'll, I'll use that one. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, at the, at the moment, he's a really fun gadget player they're using as their starting running back, and it would be it, it, the, the evolution to, to legit starting running back is not completely there yet. So I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I guess for me, I'd like to see the defense, if it's conceivable to actually live up to their various high rankings. Like week in, week yeah. out, I don't watch his defense and think, boy, this is a top 10 defense. And I understand they have, you know, there's the safeties are a major question right now and linebacker seems like a position they're going to have to address. But, you know, the defensive line, we talk about it all the time. And, you know, again, even Sunday, the Bengals went up and down the field. So anyway, so basically, you know, if, if this defense could look something, uh, something like, a top 10 unit 
not give, not let the Bengals kind of play it, run all over them, not let the Lions literally run all over them in the first half last week. Um, you know, you know, who knows? Like you talked before about getting a veteran quarterback, maybe that's more likely a veteran quarterback considers Washington if the defense looks that promising. Or, you know, if, if it does all that, then maybe they can focus on the offense in the offseason or whatever. But I, I think that let me see the defense start looking like people think it is. And then I think I would feel better about the situation because the offense, I think we probably can acknowledge is where most of the questions are already. Yeah, so what's funny is I thought about that, but I just I kind of don't think that's going to happen. So I went with something that I think could happen. Um, and maybe I'll be proved wrong, but like. And I know that some of the stats suggest they're really good, but uh, defensively, I, I just, I don't buy it. Like, I mean, the Bengals were cruising for 500 yards of offense before Burrow got hurt, you know? Yeah, no, I know. I, I agree. That's, that's kind of what I want to, uh, what I want to see. Um, all right. Any, uh, anything, obviously everybody listens to, uh, to, to the podcast, but tell everybody what they need to know. What, 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 uh, what's going, what do you got going on this week? Think big Thanksgiving week. Uh, what should people know about what's going on in your uh, world? Yeah, I'm so I'm not, I'm not sure when we're going to roll it out, and I'm not sure I'm supposed to talk about it yet, but what the hell, I'm going to do it right now. Um, you know, this time of year, everybody always remembers in, in kind of Washington football world, the passing of Sean Taylor. And I got to talk to Sean Taylor's little brother, Gabe, who is a freshman at Rice playing football. And it was, uh, it was, a, it was a really interesting kind of emotional conversation. And we'll be rolling that out at some point. I don't know if that's in the next podcast or what, but uh, people should keep an eye on that. And, uh, you know, just watch the pregame show and the postgame show and check out uh, all the content we're, we're, we're creating. Awesome, man. Well, look, I, uh, you know, I'm always happy to see your success. Uh, people gravitate towards you because they feel like they know you and, uh, it is not an act. You are the uh, the guy you are on the podcast. I mean, the shtick is maybe over the top, but the actual guy that people like, that that is, <laughs> is an authentic thing. So pr- proud of you for all that. And uh, I appreciate you coming on the uh, the podcast. Appreciate the kind words, Benny. You're my actual friend, so you know it's not very exciting. Um, but I appreciate you keeping up the facade. <laughs> uh, it's all good. I appreciate it, man. All right, bud. Later. All right, that's it for this episode of the Standing Room Only podcast. Many thanks to Tim Settle, to J.P. Finley, and of course for you guys for listening. Definitely appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, again, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Ben Standig. Uh, you can follow my uh, Washington football team only feed, at Break Burgundy. And uh, look, uh, be safe out there. It's going to be a crazy week. Hope everybody has a safe and healthy uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you guys after the break. Until next time. Yeah.